This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Can you get your Bible today? I want to read from the screen. Habakkuk chapter 2, and then we'll jump over to Proverbs chapter 16 as we encourage you in this final message in the series, Voices. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse... You always tell how spiritual someone are, but how they say this book of the Bible. I've been in places where they call it Habakkuk. Some of you are like, I didn't even know you were Pentecostal, but the way you say that, and just, uh, like, more spiritual, it's like schedule. The, the, the nice people say schedule. I will never say schedule. I'm from Sackville. We don't say schedule. We say schedule. Habakkuk, wherever you say it. Chapter 2, verse 2. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that the runner can carry the correct message to others. I want to encourage you. Another version says that write it down plainly. So you can read it on the run. There is something with the plan of God. Have you noticed that life is picking up its pace? Am I the only one? Like it seems like the more technology we get that's supposed to solve problems, to make us efficient, actually makes us busier. Now it seems like we're just going all the time. We're just on this this wheel, this hamster wheel all the time. I believe the pace of life with the pace of God needs something, a vision big enough that you can read it while you're on the run. And I believe the word of God works in your busyness. It works in the middle of your schedule. And some of you that own businesses and parents and stay-at-home dads and moms and st- teenagers in the middle of life, you can have a word of God so clear for your life that you can read it on the run at the pace that God's called you to run. It says in the next verse, in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Let me read that again. We can make our plans, and we need to make plans. But the Lord determines our steps. I want to let you know God has a plan for your life. And we're supposed to plan. You're supposed to have your five-year plan, your Freedom 55, your six-month goals. But God will determine your steps. And sometimes our ways are not the Lord's ways. We thought we're going to end up somewhere else at our 20-year reunion. And God has other plans. Listen, we make our plans, but God determines our steps. Today, for the next few minutes, as I unpack this last sermon, in a series we've been doing called Voices, Hearing the Voice of God, This is the title today for those taking notes. You're my favorites. If you take notes, this title, Ready, Set, Go. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready, get set, go. Let's pray one more time. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our church, in our families. I thank you for the requests that, Father, you are answering even now in marriages and finances and relationships. God, thank you for these next few minutes. Father, we love you so much. Father, thank you that we're together. Thank you for this community. And Father, thank you for your goodness. And Lord, I pray right now that Tom Brady would somehow miss the Super Bowl. In Jesus' name, everybody said, (laughs) that offends you, find another church. Okay. (laughs) We're in the series hearing about the, the, the voice of God. Ready, set, go. I remember when I was a kid, we ran everywhere. We didn't walk. Anybody remember those days? Like, if you, you ran upstairs, you ran. Those days have gone. I don't pay a car payment to run. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's go for a run. Why? If you see me running, it means someone's chasing me. If you ever see me running, start running. There's a good reason why I'm running. But when we were younger, we used to run everywhere. I'd run to school. I'd run home. I'd run. I'd just go outside and run for no other reason. Like, like Mike Myers in a skit on Saturday Night Live with a helmet and chocolate. I'd just run. Or like Forrest Gump, I'd just run. Just, uh, but I remember when I was, one of my most embarrassing moments of my life, I was 13. I was a very awkward 13-year-old, by the way. Some of you are like, that's not hard to believe. But I was a very awkward 13-year-old. I was really, really, really skinny, and I had, my ears are large, and I had a speech impediment. I couldn't say my R's, and 
And I never forget this awkward moment where I was still transitioning, figuring out life, becoming from a, a kid to a teenager to an adult and all this. I never forget we were at the beach one day with our whole youth ministry. And, and uh, you know, that, that one day that summer happened to be on. It was a Wednesday that year, summer. And uh, we went to the beach and, you know, you know, get the wind blinds up because you're freezing. Nova Scotians are tough, by the way. I was just in Dallas yesterday. It was 17 degrees and they had winter coats on. I had coconut oil on. I was tanning on the way to the car. I was like, this is so good. We're at the beach, and uh, they had buried me in sand. And uh, it was kind of a fun thing to do, and I'm buried in sand, just my head. And, and uh, we're having fun and playing games. And, and all of a sudden, I get out of the sand, and me and my buddy are just sitting there, and, and, and all the girls, all the pretty girls that were in high school, all the 16, 17, 18-year-olds are all, all sitting there sunning and, and chatting, and they're planning their weddings and whatever girls do in groups, the gaggles of girls, and they all huddle together. And girls go to the bathroom together. Have you noticed that? I don't know what they do in there. I think they're planning and plotting about us. Guys don't do that. You want to freak a guy out going, hey, I'm going to the bathroom. You want to come? No, I don't. I think you got it. But girls go in there and they do things. I think there's Pinterest boards. They're planning things. They got Ikea catalogs. They're ordering stuff. They're making lists for us to do when they come out of the bathroom. We have to go to the store now. What happened in the bathroom? We went in. I had no plans. I come, you come out, and now we have a list. I don't know what happens in there, but <laughs> girls are hanging together at the beach and all these pretty girls and me and my buddies were like, man, let's, like, guys, guys don't walk into the water. Guys run into the water. You notice that? Like, girls will kind of saunter into the water, but guys need to do everything like they're men. So at 13-year-old me, I'm like, guys, I got a really good idea. I'm like, I'm like, Mike, you turned sideways. We lost you. All right, I'm back. Oh, I was so skinny. I'm like, Mike, I'm like, let's run into the water. I'm like, what do you want? Let's run. Let's run as fast as we can into the water. In my, head, in my mind, Baywatch was a big deal, and I, I saw myself as David Hasselhoff. He changed his name, by the way, officially, just to Hoff. It's a lot less hassle. And, uh, <laughs> whoo, okay. <clears throat> Are you sure this is the church? I don't know. <laughs> the coffee's good. Let's stay. Okay. So we start running past these girls towards the water at Rainbow Haven Beach. I had forgotten that I had just been under sand for a half hour, under cold sand, and my legs were numb. So I couldn't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs when I'm with you. I could not feel my legs. And I start to run. Let's run as fast as we can to the water. And as I get up to full speed, I realize I can't feel my legs anymore. And right in front of these gaggle of girls, this, 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 these girls sitting there sunning and talking and planning, I trip over my legs and start stumbling in slow motion and skid on sand in front of them. And I stop right in front of them looking at them like, hey, ladies, what's up? You know? And they're just like, what's going on? It was the most awkward moment of my then teenage life. I quickly picked myself up, blood coming down from the sandpaper that had rushed over my body and did what everybody would do. I ran to the ocean. Of course, it's salt water. And I've now sandpapered myself to death. As I sat in the ocean, let it wash away my tears of that moment, I realized I wasn't ready. I wasn't set, but I ended up going anyway. You know, I realize sometimes in life that we're in such a busy to get going, we never actually set ourselves or make sure we're ready. This whole thing about God's voice, I believe hearing one word from God solves a thousand problems. We have young people that are just going to colleges because their friends go to college. We have people that are doing things because their friends say, let's do it. Society says, do this. And we're running at such a pace. 
The fear is that you run at such a pace that, that you don't wake up and all of a sudden you find yourself in your 40s and 50s going, this is not the life I wanted. This is not the way I saw my life going. And we call it midlife crises and people start making crazy decisions. Why? Because they said, I never thought I'd end up here because I wasn't ready and I wasn't set, but I felt like I had to go. This whole series has been about hearing God's voice. I believe God, this is our core belief, that God is alive, that God made us, that God has a plan for our life, and God is active in that journey and wants to speak to us along the way. God wasn't like, hey, all the best, hope you make it, and we never see him again. God is not an empty nester. God is always with us. God is speaking to us. And I believe we need to hear God's word for your voice as a teenager, as a young adult, as a senior, in your middle, in your 30s, as midlife. You need to hear the voice of God. It's so important. Our first week we talked about the whispers of God. And I don't want to recap too much, but sometimes we wait for God to be in the loud things. We wait for God to be in the message or to be in the, the crazy events or in world events and all this stuff. Most time God's in the silent whisper in that just the breath of God. And one breath of God, one whisper from God can set you on your life's track. I don't have time today to tell about the whispers in God. This church was once a whisper. My marriage was once a whisper. Uh, friendships were just, just a whisper. Innovations and businesses were just a whisper. God wants to speak, and if we can silence ourselves, and there is a war trying to find calmness and silence in our society. If we don't get it at work and at school, we get it on these things, and I am guilty of this, but you're always fighting. There's always something drawing our attention and screaming at us for attention when God says, listen, in the middle of the screaming, in the middle of the noise and the chaos, I am in the stillness. If you would just listen, I want to speak to you. We also talked about positioning, that community and serving is everything, that God speaks in community. Samuel said, his mentor said, that's God speaking to you. When he says, calls you again, say, I'm your servant, speak Lord. There's something about community that translates. There's something about serving. I'll be honest, I've heard God more when I'm serving in a community, church and otherwise, than I've ever heard of my own. There's something about being together and working together and being a part of a community that God speaks. And sometimes, if he doesn't speak to you, he'll speak to others and you overhear God. Me and my wife talk all the time. It's one thing for God to speak to us. I was landing in, in Baltimore two years ago when I felt God started this whole thing of Nova Church. And it's one thing for God to speak to me and to change my life. But when I see other people in our dream team come here all hours of the morning, right now our Nova Kids team is just loving on your kids and teaching your kids and doing an amazing job and production and the coffee, which is free, and want you to enjoy and the worship. It's one thing for us to hear God and go, but someone else goes, oh, you heard God? God said do that? All right, we're in. That amazes me, by the way. But God speaks in community. And then last week we talked about the power of God's word. God will speak through his word. So many people are waiting for a word of God. Come on, I need a word from the pastor. I need a word from somebody. God's already given you lots of words. We believe in the word of God. We believe the word of God will show you motive. It'll show you boundaries. It'll show you directions to move towards. Verses like seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added. The Bible says seek first. Listen, if you want to hear from God and get direction for your life, the Bible will test your motives. Seek first the kingdom of God. Here's the question. Are you seeking God first? What is the kingdom of God? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans, the kingdom of God is not food or drink. It's not businesses. It's not apartments. It's not cars. It's not houses. It's actually righteousness, peace, and joy in Romans 10. So are you seeking first the, the, the peace of the God? Are you seeking the righteousness, right living? Are you seeking the joy that only comes from knowing Jesus Christ? This is what the word of God will do. The Bible also says that the love of money is the root of all evil. 
These are directions you can get for your life. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. Money is just a tool. This is a $1 American bill, which is equivalent to like 30 bucks Canadian. And uh, this is just a tool. This is not evil or good. This, uh, money can buy drugs or can help feed uh, homeless people. Money is just a tool. But the love of money, the Bible says, listen, if you read God's word, it will discern your heart. It will go through your motives. It will help us stay on track. The Bible also says that God can only forgive us if we forgive others. That's one of those passages I wish wasn't in the Bible. I, I, wish that, I wish I could rip that out. But the Bible says if you don't forgive someone else, then I can't forgive you. And I don't know about you, but I need forgiveness from God daily. Because I'm far from perfect and I'm on my journey. And, and forgiveness is an event, but purity is a process. As I move through my actions and my attitudes and my intentions, God, forgive me, help me. I'm so glad he's quick to forgive. But because I need him to be quick to forgive, I must be quick to forgive. My wife, my kids, people around me, we must forgive. We're in this together. But that's what the word of God does. It directs us. It directs us. Here's the key today, though, practically about hearing God's voice. And I've heard from many of you going, I need, I need God to speak to me about my kids, about my job, about my future. We need to hear God's voice. And people make it, make it mystic and think, oh, man, only professional preachers can hear from God. Or maybe only these monks in the middle of somewhere uh, in silence can hear from God. No, no, I believe you can hear from God. But here's the truth today is God's word, what it won't do for you is it won't show you timing and it won't show you specifics. Because you can go to God's word and you can go, man, I need to make a decision. Do I take that promotion? Do I move to that city? Do I marry that person? Do I, what do I, listen, God will show you motive. The word will show you motives. It'll show you your heart. It'll show you boundaries. It'll show you disciplines. It'll show you God's standards, but it won't show you timing. It won't say when. Nowhere in this word is going to tell you when to get married. It won't tell you when to take that promotion. It won't tell you logistics. Well, if you do this and this and this. So practically, I've heard people say, how do I hear the voice of God today? I want to practically share how I hear the voice of God and some things that has helped me. I heard this story a few years ago from one of my mentors, and she talked about this story about this ship captain that, what, what was, that, that, that used to pilot these ships, and being in Halifax, a, a naval port and a seaport, we can very easily picture this. And these container ships would come into this harbor, and there's this one, this one captain of a ship, and he came into this one harbor that was known for being dangerous. It had underwater um, 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 shoals, and it had, it had riptides, and it had rocks, and it was this, this rough harbor to get into. Halifax is the second natural deepest harbor in the world. It's known for its, its maritime culture, and so many ships come in every single year from cruise ships to container ships. And as they come into the harbor, what happens is a harbor master comes out many times and will get in the ship, take over the steering wheel, over, is that what they call them on ships? I don't even know. The thing that's connected to the rudder. Port side, starboard, I don't even know. I don't know what screwdrivers are. Is that a Phillips? I don't even, it's a square? It's, a, it's, a, it's an X and it's a straight. Can we just say left and right for, ship, for ships? Go to the left. I don't even know anymore. But the steering wheel on the ship, what is that called? Someone. The tiller? Isn't that for firming? I'm so confused. Isn't he, isn't he a magician in, in Vegas? Okay, anyway. Tiller, okay. The steering wheel, as I was saying, the steering wheel. A harbor master will come out and grab a hold of that. But you know what's interesting? I heard this story about this one particular harbor that was dangerous. And as they called in from, from, from port, see, I got that one right, they said to the, to the guy steering the ship, the captain, they said, listen, when you come in, here's how you need to navigate the tides and the rocks with your precious cargo. There are three harbor lights that are floating in the harbor, and if you line them up perfectly, 
you have safe passage. If one of them is off, you're too far to the left or to the right. If you line them all up perfect, once they're aligned, you know you're on course to go safely passage into port. You know, that struck a, struck a chord with me because I believe in my life most times there are three harbor lights that for me to make a decision to launch this church, any big decision financially, directionally, relationally for me, I need all three of these things. Today I want to give them to you practically to help you take. Because we believe in the voice of God as a whisper. We believe God speaks in community and serving. We believe in the word of God. But today I want to line up three things I believe will help you today. Some of you need to make some big decisions. This is your year. It'll be the best year yet if you choose for it to be. If you get a hold of God's word for your voice, amen, and for your life. My three harbor lights. Number one, nervous excitement. You weren't expecting that, were you? You expecting something like Jesus, weren't you? <laughs> the answer's always Jesus. No, nervous excitement. Here's what happens. Usually God speaks to me, and for me to move on something, when I first hear God speak, usually it's nervous excitement. It's something I wouldn't usually want because I'm nervous. It's something that may, it feels bigger than maybe I could ever attain. It feels too risky. It feels too much. It is soaking in purpose and divine kingdom mentality, and it gives me butterflies. There was a movie years ago that most of you are too, too young to remember called Chariots of Fire, but there was this famous Olympian named Eric Little. And Eric Little had this whole movie based how he would not run on Sundays because he felt like it was the Lord's day, but God called him to run. He was fast this Olympic athlete from Great Britain, and he said this, he said, when I run, I feel God's purpose, I feel his pleasure. They said, what does it mean when you run? He goes, when I run, it's like God made me to run. When I run, I feel his pleasure. I want to encourage you today, when God speaks, for me, sometimes it starts with a feeling. Some people are against emotions. Listen, emotions make great slaves and horrible masters. And if you make decisions based off emotions alone, you'll be in trouble. Because you'll fall in and out of love. You'll feel like going to work and you won't feel like going to work. If you make right choices, the emotions will come. But so many people are waiting to feel it before they do it. And we wonder why we're in trouble. But I will say this. God made us body, soul, and spirit. He made your emotions. And sometimes mature Christians go, it doesn't matter how I'm feeling. I'm standing on the word. But you know what? God gave you emotions. And when I first hear God speak, usually it's nervous excitement. There is this feeling, it's like that feeling before a race. It's not fear like, oh God, I can't do this, I'm scared of heights. It's more like that feeling before a race. You know what I'm saying? Whether a hockey game you're playing or some kind of sporting competition, it's like this butterfly nervous excitement. Heard someone say once, it's like butterflies in formation. It's this nervous excitement. Psalm 34, verse 4, 37, verse 4 says, Take delight. In the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. We've fallen into this lie that God's not into our desires. We have taken the holiness of God, and we think that fun, adventure, and pleasure is the opposite of holiness. That is untrue. We've bought into this lie that holiness is boring, holy church is boring, that living for God is dull. My friend, listen, I believe a life of God is full of adventure, it's full of pleasure. It, there's nothing more fun than feeling like you're in God's will. There's no high like being in God's will. There's nothing like it. I remember growing up, I went to Bible college, and we had these road trips in Bible college, and I remember going through the, the towns of Nova Scotia, driving from one town to another. And I remember looking at the window of this bus on this, in this Bible school as we were getting ready to preach, and I see these old churches, these, these white steeple churches in the middle of nowhere, and fear would hit me that God was going to send me to one of those. Now, someone needs to go to those, and that's, that's a good thing, but it wasn't what got me excited. I, I, I need Starbucks. 
I need power, I need TV, I need cars, I need, I need, I need technology, I need people around me. And, but I remember thinking this, I remember thinking this, I'm not going to say that out loud, because God will make me go there. <laughs> like he couldn't read my mind. But I remember thinking, I'm, I remember looking at the window, going, I don't want to go there. If I had to go to that church, because I had friends getting called to small towns and small villages, and I remember this panic inside of me going, oh God, I would die there, but I'm not going to say it out loud, because almost like, if I say it, then I have to do it. That's bad theology. God's not here to punish us. Some of you are like, oh, I'm afraid to say it. God says the desires of your heart. Again, if your desires are lined up with his word, seek first the kingdom of God. If you're seeking God, your desires start to change. If your desires are in line with God, listen, God knew my desires. My desires was for this city. And I think sometimes we get against it. We think that pleasure and desires and what well, gets us excited. Listen, when God speaks to me and it's God, there's a nervous excitement. Usually it's like, man, that would be so awesome. But there's this fear going, that's too big. I can't pull that off on my own. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not rich enough. I don't know enough people. This nervous excitement. Whenever God speaks to me, it's never dull. It's never boring. It's never small. It's never something that I hate the idea of. It's always something that makes me go, oh, oh, what if? The name Nova Church, I was sitting at my kitchen table and my wife had gone out with the kids and I'm sitting there for a moment. I sat down and I let myself start to dream for a moment. Start writing down a name on paper. I'd never wrote it down before. I'd never said it out loud before. As I wrote it on paper, Nova Church, which means new, God wants to do a new thing in our city with new people. And God wants to, when he gets a hold of your life, no matter where you've come from, that he makes all things new. That today is a new day and new days have new salvations. And I wrote it on paper. Something started to jump inside me. But I'm like, I don't know enough people. I'm not smart enough. I, I, don't, I don't have enough connections. And it was this nervous excitement. Can I encourage you when God speaks, it'll excite you and it'll scare you at the same time. If God's playing, to, if, it's not, if, it, if it doesn't scare you, it's probably not God. If you can do it on your own with your financing and your credit and your degrees and your friends, it's probably not God, it's probably you. But God moments scare you, but they excite you at the same time. I want to encourage you to say purpose satisfies. Purpose satisfies. There's a story of Jesus at the well with this woman that had all these issues and pain, and he was talking to her and loving her and teaching her about who he was, and his disciples, his crew show up and say, hey, Jesus, we went to get you food. He's like, man, I got food you know not of. What he said was, listen, nothing fills me like purpose. Nothing, nothing excites me like the will of my Father. Nothing satisfies like being in the will of God. Can I encourage you that if you get the will of God for your life and a plan of God for your life, it's not boring. It's not dull. It's not something like, I can't believe I have to do this. Oh, Monday, fun day. This is awful. I can't believe I got to get through this again. Just got to make it. Just one more day. Just one more day. Listen, I can tell you this morning on the way to church, flew in at 1 a.m. from Dallas. My son's in the car. He missed last week. He's like, oh, I'm so excited to be at church today. I missed it last week. My wife has been here for six weeks after coming through some surgery and doing so well. And she's like, I get to be in church. My little girl's like, I got my hoverboard and I'm going to church and I'm excited. Why? Because the will of God is exciting. Yeah. Get excited about the plan of God for your life. It'll scare you, but it'll satisfy like nothing else. Nothing else. Your purpose is tied to what excites you. It's also tied to what frustrates you. You know what frustrates me? That people are far from God in this city. It frustrates me. It frustrates me that sometimes it's harder to get into churches than anything else. Interesting, Paul and Silas were in prison. And God delivered them from prison, and then they couldn't get into a home church. They knocked on the door forever and couldn't get in. Isn't it fascinating? It was easier for God to get them out of prison than into church. And it frustrates me sometimes. And what frustrates me is the key to my purpose. 
Thus Nova Church with comedy and stand-up music and coffee and dark lights. Why? Because what, your purpose is tied to what excites you and to what frustrates you. Some of you, it's poverty frustrates you, and God wants you to start a business. Some of you, it's empowering people excites you, and you want to raise up leaders in business and in church and in education. What you're passionate about is tied to your purpose. The second harbor light for me, first one is nervous excitement. The second one is counsel. Counsel. There's an experiment I heard about in the 50s. Growing up, I heard this. I read this document this, in, this, in this paper. In the 1950s, they took two groups of students, and they separated them right down the middle. You couldn't get away with this today. In the 50s, they took these students with the exact same intelligence, exact same IQ, exact same social background, exact same economic level, and they put these students and split them 50-50, half in one class and half in the other, the exact same students, same intelligence, same skill, same everything. And then they told these two teachers, they never told them what they were doing. They told one teacher in this class that you have some really gifted students. These are the top of the top, best of the best, cream of the crop. Their scores are off the chart. They're brilliant students. The other teacher, they told her, these students are challenged. They don't do well. Their scores are low. They have discipline problems. They don't read well. They don't write well. And if you can just get by with them, you'll be doing well. What's interesting is after three years, they tested those students. And the students in the class that was told to the teacher that they were bright were excelling in their marks, in their education, and they were shining. And you know what happened. The other students, after three years, were barely getting by. Their, their reading was low. Their functioning was low. Their education was low. Their behavior was low. Here's what I've realized. You become like who you hang around. Be careful who you let speak into your life. Atmosphere is absolutely everything. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. Be careful who puts these thoughts in your mind. I am very careful who I let around my life. Listen, I can't control what happens out there, but I can control what I let speak into here. I believe in counsel. I believe in godly counsel. And whenever I get a decision, I get excited about it. I get nervous about it. But I always seek counsel. Who you let speak into your life determines your capacity and your direction. Proverbs 11.14 says it this way. Where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is victory. We got so many young adults that are just falling. My God, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we had young people fighting wars. Now we're trying to get them not to eat Tide Pods. Come on, somebody. We got work to do. Somewhere people are like, ah, it just feels good. Do it. Listen, we need some counsel. Listen to your parents. Don't eat detergent, teenagers. (laughs) You know, come on now. Like, think about it. And don't, don't put your tongue on cold poles outside either. <clears throat> You're like, what are you talking about? Don't do it. <laughs> There's something about godly counsel. We have people falling all the time because they don't seek advice. We have a generation that in some way we are against advice. We are pushing back on advice. One goal for me, for someone to speak into my life, I'm looking for counsel in my life, is do they want me to succeed? Make no mistake, not everybody wants you to win. That's why you don't post your, your drama on Facebook. Some of you put your issues on Facebook. Listen, 90% of the people are glad you have them. The other 10% don't care. And if you put your drama up looking for connection and help, and people sit there with their popcorn watching it as entertainment. Listen, be careful who you, who you share with. I'm careful who I speak to. Do I want, someone, I want someone in my life speaking to me that says, I want you to win. I want you to succeed. Your victories mean something to me. I also want someone that I mean more to for who I am than what I do. Some people only give you good advice when you can help them. 
Listen, some of you young adults, people only want you dating that guy as long as they have a boyfriend. If they break up, they want you to break up. Some people only want you getting the job if they can get the job before you. People only want you getting a new car if they get a new car. Some people are competitive and they're competing with you and you think they're giving you counsel. I have realized that sometimes I need the gray hairs and the no hairs in my life. That's why this is not a young adult church. And somebody said, I don't know if they want me. I'm kind of older than some of these people. No, we need you because some of you have been through some stuff. And sometimes when we think it feels right and it looks right, some of you go, listen, just, I just be careful there. I've been through that. We need wisdom. There is wisdom in generational church. We need the young people for their energy. We need the young adults for their passion. We need the, the young marrieds, and we need all, but we also need the older people saying, listen, I've been through some stuff in my life, and I need to speak into this. Listen, we need some counsel in our church and our lives. I couldn't have planted this church in my early 30s. I wasn't smart enough. Now I'm smart enough to know I got good people around me. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. I'm rarely the smartest person in the room. Why? Because I've realized the value of counsel. There's one man in my life, I'm not sure if he's here, he was in Vancouver a couple days ago, a man named Lyman. I never forget Lyman came to my life when I was uh, in elementary school, when I was six, seven years of age. He was my favorite Sunday school teacher, but Lyman never left my life. And I always remember thinking, Lyman likes me. I didn't know why, but I just remember thinking, you know, you ever come around somebody and you just know they don't like you? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why I love teenagers. They don't fall for nothing. They're just like, yeah, you don't like me. I can just tell. You can say the right things and give them stuff, but they're just like, really, dude? Like, I just know you're tolerating me. I knew this man loved me and valued my family and valued my future, and he would speak into my life. Do you know, I've learned some things from Lyman. You know what? I always want people speaking into my life that I want to be like them in some way. Maybe not every way, but in some way. You know one thing about Lyman I wanted to be? Lyman was a hugger. And Lyman valued connections. If you ever meet Lyman, if, you, if he's here today, I'm not sure if he's here today, but if he's not, is that Lyman right there? Is he back? Is Lyman here somewhere? He's not here. He's still away. You'll see him in the lobby. He just walks around meeting people. He's got the best laugh. I'm not a hugger. I, I just wasn't. You asked my mom, this is how I hugged. Well, like my son, he's like, are you done? <laughs> like, really? We're just not huggers. And Lyman would walk up as only he could and give me the old side hug and ask me about my life. And I'd always walk away feeling passionate about my, my purpose and the future. And Lyman just meets people. He can talk to anybody. He just, hey, who are you? Where are you? I think I knew your grandparents. And I think I was in business with your father. And he'll just start talking to people. And I remember thinking, I want to be like that. The extrovert part of me, a lot of it is tied back to people like Lyman in my life. Why? Because I want to be, I want counsel from people I want to be like. Listen, there are marriages in this place I want my marriage to be like, so I'll learn from you. Some of you, it's the way you engage community and your heart for the broken, and I will learn and take advice from you. Some of you, it's your finances. You're smart, I will learn. Because I take counsel from those I want to be like. There's wisdom in counsel. We live in a culture that avoids advice. American Idol, you ever watch that show? Canadian Idol, I always amazed when these three experts, these, these counselors are sitting on this thing, and someone gets up there and they sing, you know what I'm saying? They sing it horrible. They sing that mixture of country and rap. It's called crap. You know what I'm saying? Like, they get up there, it's horrible. And, then, you know, and it's a no from me. And you know, Simon's like, that is rubbish, the worst I've ever heard. And, and Randy's like, no, dog, not today. And you're like, oh. And then they're like, no, no, my mama said I can sing. And they're walking out with their people like, no, no, oh, you'll hear from me. I'll be back. I'm going to be famous one day. No, you're going to work at Chick-fil-A. That's what's going to happen for you. And they're like in denial. You know, have you seen these people? I'm thinking, the experts just told you you shouldn't do this. But you're convinced, I don't need your advice. I'm good on my own. We have a generation that avoids advice. Can I encourage you? There is wisdom in a multitude of counselors from people that God put into your life. So much wisdom. Some of us get counsel. We don't like it, and we call them haters. 
This is down in my dream. Listen, some of us are pushing on doors in rooms you shouldn't be in. I'm just going to do this. They don't think I can do it. They don't recognize my gifting. They don't see my value. No, you shouldn't even be in that room. And we're telling you you shouldn't be in that room, but you don't think we love you, so you're calling us haters and you go to another church or to another mentor or another life. Listen, there is wisdom in your life. Mentors want to pull you up. I didn't ever want to be this guy. I never wanted to be on a stage. I had a speech impediment. I was an introvert. But people above me go, listen, there's something in your life. I think you're called to do this and start pulling out of it and give me opportunities. And all of a sudden, I start to get excited. That's why Matt Sterrett, I believe in so much, when he's on this stage, he is in his element. He's not born to sell TVs. He's born to preach the gospel. And I see it in his life, and I will not let him sit down because I know nothing satisfies like the purpose of God for his life. Get some people around your life, and some of you, they're saying, I don't think you should go in that field or go down that road, and you call them haters, but what if it's God trying to direct your life and get your lights lined up so you don't end up a shipwreck? She's a nice girl, but it just doesn't seem like it's a right fit for you. No, no, we're in love. There's two people you can never talk to, someone who's heard from God and someone who's in love. Take some advice from some of the marriages in the room going, listen, she might be the one. Just give it some time. Just wait. What's her work ethic like? What do you mean her work ethic life? That wasn't on her Tinder profile. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe instead of swiping left and swiping right, you should ask somebody on the left. Just ask somebody on the right. What do you think about my life? No, that's personal. That's my dating life. Yeah, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You'll wake up in your 50s going, what have I done? There's wisdom and counsel. Is that too real? Don't apologize. I'm just asking a question. <laughs> Is that too real? Number three. The third thing for me, I'm almost done. Third harbor life light to help me with the direction of God is peace. Peace. Philippians 4, 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Another version says, peace beyond all understanding. You can't even understand it. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's called the comforter. Why? Because what usually the plan of God is uncomfortable. It's rewarding, it's exciting, it's scary, but it is not comfortable. And there's a thing that can happen in your life when, when God puts a peace on your life. You think, this doesn't make sense. I can't understand this. It makes no sense to plant this church. We got no money. We need, we need $100,000 to start. We need at least 100 people. I, I, this doesn't this make no sense. This makes no sense. But a peace hit my life. In relationships, in finances, in direction. There's a peace that comes. 19-year-olds go, I feel good about it. I'm not talking about a feeling. It's beyond that. It's this peace that beyond all understanding. Everything's going, this is too big. This is too scary. But you know what I wait for? The last thing I wait for to line up, I get nervous, excited. I get counsel. I read the word of God. I wait for the whisper. I'm in community. But I don't move until I feel peace in my spirit. Even when it doesn't make sense, going, this is crazy. It's not going to work. It's too much. It's too risky. But when I, I, I just wait. I just wait and just wait. I had people say, plant this church for years. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Came home from one trip, said, Nancy, let's plant a church. She goes, what happened on that trip? I'm like, God spoke, and I got this peace on me. Can I encourage you? We need to wait for peace. Some of you are rushing out, but you're waiting for some peace in your life. Not every opportunity is meant for you. God's call will scare you. That's why you need peace. Jonah never had peace. You know the story about Jonah. God called him to go do something, and he ran in the opposite direction. Make no mistake, whenever God speaks, there will always be a boat going in the opposite direction. So I'm like, I got an option. I got an open door. I got an opportunity. Not every opportunity is your opportunity. There's always another option. Hey, a door opened for me to go over here. That's not what God said. There's always a boat going in the opposite direction. 
Jonah, when storms came, he knew he wasn't in the right direction. Why? Because I don't have peace. I know I'm just, there's anxiety. It doesn't feel right. I just need that peace. Listen, one thing I feel in this church is I feel peace. I'm scared, a little tired, really excited, nervous. I got great counsel around my life, but I feel peace walking in here today. Thinking, is the sermon good enough? I don't know. Is the coffee good? It always is. Anybody going to show up today? Hope so. But I got peace. Can I encourage in your life? Some of you need to make some big decisions in your life. Go to God's word for motive and boundaries. Should I walk out and have an affair on my spouse? No, read the word of God. You don't even need to hear God. It's right in here. Well, I don't know. Maybe I should make a bad decision with it. No, go. But beyond that, God wants to speak to you about direction. Some of you schooling, some of you promotions, some of you to start businesses, some of you to start ministries, some of you to, that are single, that are dating, to get married. Listen, thinking, man, I don't know if I can pull this off. I'm excited, but I'm nervous. Get some people around your life going, hey, what would you look for in a spouse? Because what I would tell you at 42 is different than I would tell you at 21. I would say, make sure they got some grit. Make sure they're not moody. Make sure they have a work ethic. Pastor Mike, that's not sexy. You know what? When you're going through hell, you don't need sex. You need some fight. Get some wisdom. And all that grit and all that toughness is packaged in beauty. So people in this room that could help you with your relationships. Finances, uh uh-huh. What about Bitcoin, you know? Uh, I don't know nothing about that. Talk to Matt Starrett. But if you line up, nervous, excited, passion, God's passionate about your plan, and the will of God is enjoyable. It's not something you're going to hate. Oh, man, I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to be a business. I don't want to open a business. Listen, whether you're opening a coffee shop, being a stay-at-home mom, dad, whether being a teacher, a police officer, whether being an entrepreneur, you need to know that God's all about what you're excited about. He also has counsel around you to help you. That's why community is so important. There are smart people in this room that believe in you and want the best for you, and you mean more to you than what you do for them. And then there's this peace that comes in beyond all understanding. It's a peace. The Bible says Jesus is the Prince of Peace, which means he has authority over peace. That means if it's his will, all of a sudden, he's like, peace, and there's peace in your life. Peace, be still. And all of a sudden, the chaos and the doubts and the fear calm. He's like, man, I'm in the right place right now. This does not make sense here. But there's a peace right here. So that's why it works. I love this place. If you just close your eyes for a moment. We're going to sing this last song as we close. I want to challenge you today. It all starts with God, speak to me about my life. It's a desire saying, God, speak to me. It's not, I'm my own woman, my own man, do my own thing. For God, speak to me about your plan because nothing satisfies at the call of God. Secondly, if you say, Mike, I don't know God. I've never, I don't know this relationship. I want to know a God that made me and that speaks. I don't know anything about God. I don't, I don't know this relationship. I want to let you know today that God can start it. You can start a relationship with Jesus Christ right now. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved, can start a relationship, can be right with God. Today, I want to give you that opportunity. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand and put it right back down. That's all we're going to do. I want to pray for you and believe today will be the start of your relationship. That as you say, God, here I am, God will say, here I am. He'll meet you right where you are. And you can start a relationship of faith and of hope and of forgiveness 
and of joy and God guiding your life, not on your own, but God giving you direction for your life. If that's you, say, Mike, I want to know God today. I want to give my life to God. I want to start a faith relationship on the count of three. One, it's not everybody. But there's somebody in this room. Two, three. If that's you, you've never done it before, just raise your hand all over this place. Put it right back down. Put it right back down. All right, thank you. Can we stand to our feet today? All of us, everybody in this room. As we sing this song, but hearing the voice of God and letting God lead you. As we worship this, here's what I want you to say to God. God, speak to me with my life. Line up the harbor lights and direct me. You ready? Let's sing this together.